0: I do wanna just hit one more time again, just for the sake of people I know sometimes get so used to things that they, they don't really pay attention to those, but um, our our we usually do a Christmas Eve service in the evening of Christmas Eve, and to this year we're moving it, since it's a Sunday, to the morning, okay? It's still gonna be a Christmas Eve service, it's just not gonna be an evening service, it's going to be a morning service, right? So we're gonna do, um, we're going to do uh, our Christmas Eve service format, but we're going to do it at 1045 a.m. on the 24th, okay? So you're welcome to come and sit in the parking lot on Christmas Eve evening, um, but the building's going to be locked up and we're not going to be here, okay? Um, if you want to be a part of our Christmas Eve service, you need to be here next week at 1045 a.m. We good? We, do we understand it? There's still going to be people here. It's still going to happen. Um, uh, but uh, uh, we want to encourage you uh, to be here at that time. It's it's a good thing, and uh, it's it's always a great day. Just as we kind of talk about the story of Jesus um, and go through those things, we're 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 excited to have that day. How many of you? This is like your favorite time of year, Christmas Eve or Christmas, Christmas Eve. This is this is your time. You love it. You've been like decorating since August, you know. And um, how many? You know, like you bought all of your Christmas gifts, you know, like. Black Friday was like all the slackers wait till Black Friday. How many of you were done before Black Friday, right? Like there's... No one wants to admit it. I don't believe that that's true. How many of you you wait to? You're like the gas station guy the day before, you know, like that's where you get it going down, right? Like that's that's good. I'm I'm I, I I'm good with that. I would be that guy, except I only have to buy things for my wife. She buys things for everybody else. Every every year when my kids are opening presents, I'm pretty much as excited as they are because I'm excited to see what I got them. You know, like like here we go. This is going to be a great morning. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of one of those things. I love this time of year. I do. Um, I some people, you know, it's always funny. Um, uh, some of you know that Christmas songs are a struggle for me, you know. Um, but it's not that I don't like Christmas songs. If you were a musician, you'd hate them too. Um, uh, can I just tell you that? Like they are so hard to play. Um, uh, uh, I like to sing them when I don't have to play, you know, but, uh, it's, it's just one of those things. But I love all of the things this time of year. I love that, that we get together with family. I love that we get to focus on something that is so miraculous. And yet so many times we take it for granted. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. We talk about the miracle of God becoming man, right? We talk about virgin birth we talk about angels in the skies and we talk about all these things like we talk about i'm kind of hungry and where am i going to eat afterwards you know what i mean like it's almost like we talk about these miraculous things and we've gotten so used to the idea of the miraculous that we talk about it like we're going to talk about our cheeseburger after church and really when that begins to happen we start to lose the wonder and the awe of christmas Right? We start to lose the wonder and the awe of what this really was. This is a ridiculous story if you don't believe in God. right? Like You start talking about everything that happened in this story, you start talking about all of the details, and people have to think that we're just like the craziest people in the world. You're telling me you actually believe that this stuff happened? Yes, I believe it happened because I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But when I talk about it like it's no big deal, I think that's what makes people think I'm crazy, right? Like we need to give this the space to be as amazing as it is. Um, this story is such an important thing. We've been talking about pursuing Jesus in this time. We've been talking about not just you know celebrating, but to actually pursue Jesus in this time. In the first week we talk about you can pursue the right things for the wrong reasons. Right, and, and it'll lead you nowhere. Um, last week, we talked about how you don't always have to be sure of everything before you start pursuing Jesus. You don't, you don't have to have it all figured out. The wise men did not have it all figured out when they started looking for Jesus. And today, I want to tell you that it is your job to pursue Jesus. Right? Like, nobody can do it for you. And I want to encourage you, as we talk about these amazing things and we we see these amazing stories and all of this stuff happens in our lives, it's amazing what happens um, when we really begin to personally pursue Jesus. I remember being a young person who had to go to church. And I'm grateful for that. I, I am grateful that I was forced against my will to go to church. It happened all the time right? Sometimes it was fun. Sometimes it was, it was just, I was there because I had to be there, right? There was a time in my life where I completely walked away from God. And can I tell you, that was the darkest time of my entire life. And then there was a time when my faith ceased being there because it, because I had to go. And it started being my faith because I chose it right? And that's where things really began to click for me. That's where things really began to come alive because our faith will never, our our faith cannot be our grandma's faith for us. Our faith can't be mom and dad's faith for us or our best friend's faith for us. We have to make a decision at some point in time in our lives whether or not this is really going to be something we go after or not. Each and every one of us has to make that call. Otherwise, we just lose sight and lose track and everything else is more important and eventually we're just right back to no faith. Right? That's what happens. Or life throws a huge curveball. Right? And the tidal wave of grief and despair or loneliness or whatever it is comes crashing into our life. And because our faith isn't our own, because it's somebody else's, our faith is not strong enough to stand up to that. And it's not that God isn't big enough, it's that our faith is too small. And it's such an important thing for us to decide what we're gonna go after and what we're gonna do. How many of you, like, right, let's take faith out of this equation. How many of you had a hobby growing up that was one of your parents' hobbies, right? Like, you enjoyed it because your mom or dad or stepmom or stepdad or whatever, fill in the blank, person in your life that you looked up to, they liked it, and so you enjoyed doing it because it was just a way for you to connect with them. How many of you had hobbies like that, right? Like you did. I... I, I mean, I, if you, I know when you look at me, I look like a super athletic person. Um, uh, you, you're allowed to laugh. That was supposed to be funny, okay? Um, I played sports because my dad loved sports. Right, like, I mean, there were sports that I enjoyed. I, I always enjoyed uh, playing basketball, that was fun. Um, football would have been better today than it was when I played it because, again, I, I was this size, right, but about 60 pounds lighter when I was in high school. I was this height, you know, but like 60 pounds lighter, and they had me playing offensive line. If you know football, guys who are 6'2 and a buck 45 don't belong on the offensive lines, okay? Like, that's just not what it happens. Tight end, that would have been where I should have been, right? But they didn't really use them when I was in high school. Um, The game has changed. Um, But like, I was in sports because my dad was in sports, right? It's not that I don't enjoy sports now and then, but that was my dad's hobby that I got into. And as an adult, I was free to make a decision whether or not I wanted to keep doing that or not. And I didn't. Because it was my dad's hobby, not mine. And there's nothing wrong with having done it because my dad enjoyed it. I'm just saying, as an adult, I made a choice that, you know, I'm just not really all that athletic. And I don't really enjoy going out there and doing that. Now, some of you keep doing it, and that's awesome. I'm not trying to say you should stop. I'm just trying to say we all have those things in our life that we did because somebody else enjoyed them. And now as adults, we have to make decisions on what we're going to actually do with our time. Some of us are still living our parents' dreams because we never got to a point where we just decided for ourselves what we were going to do. And we just got started on a track and we just kept going down it and never really gave it much thought. And that happens sometimes. And our faith is like that sometimes, right? We grow up, And we do this faith thing because mom or dad wanted us to or grandma or grandpa wanted us to. And eventually we have to come to a point where we choose this is for me or it will not stand up to what happens in life. It won't. And it's so important for us to make those decisions. It's so important for us to see for ourselves. And I wanna encourage you, I grew up in a church where we weren't allowed to ask questions, right? If you had a question about the faith and you asked it, that meant you didn't have enough faith. And I want you to hear from me today. If you experienced that kind of thing in a church, I apologize on behalf of whoever that was. Okay? We welcome your questions here. If you have questions about God, if you have questions about the Bible, if you have questions about things, ask somebody. If I don't know the answer, I will tell you I don't know, and then I'll try and find you an answer. Now, there are some things about faith that are faith, right? Like there are some unanswerable things about our, 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 what we believe that we just have to trust God for. But a lot of what we believe, there is good, solid evidence for why. And it's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to pursue faith on your own. In fact, we should. I want to talk about a story from the Christmas story, right, where this comes into place. I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Right? Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. If you've got a digital version or if you don't have a Bible but you have a phone, download the Version Bible app or Logos Bible app um, and go on there. You'll be able to find um, find the Bible I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. If you've got a paper Bible but you're not familiar with it, um, Luke is in the New Testament. So if you're turning from the front towards the back, you'll read a whole bunch of weird, strange names like Habakkuk and Haggai. And then you'll get to Matthew, Mark, Luke. Right? And that's where we're at. Um, And it's such an important thing um, for us to get into these spots. I want you to see this story. I want you to make sure I'm not making anything up. Okay? Um, Luke chapter 2. This is probably one of the most familiar portions of Scripture in Scripture, but I want to go ahead and I want to read it because it's so important for us, right? At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of the King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the field nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. I want to stop right there for a second. When we talk about shepherds in this story, what immediately pops into your mind? Sheep, Sheep? fair enough. What picture of shepherds do you have in your mind when you think of shepherds in this story? What was that? Old? Okay. A robe and a staff? How many of you picture Linus from Charlie Brown Christmas? Anyone? Yep. Okay. Maybe you picture the kid that is too afraid to say anything in the Christmas program, right? The ones that don't have any lines, right? They're always the shepherds because they're too afraid to talk right, like, like you don't want to trust people, too afraid to talk with any, anything else, so we're going to give them, you're going to be a shepherd. I know this is your 12th time, but you're going to rock this shepherd role, okay, um, and you don't have to say anything, and for some kids, that was the dream role, right, I, I, like except the dream role would have been maybe the person just sitting watching and not being on the stage at all, but at least if your parents made you be on the stage, you didn't have to talk, right, like shepherd was highly, we, we think of shepherds, but what does it say they were doing? keeping watch, guarding their flocks. I want you to get the idea of Linus out of your mind. Linus told a great story, okay? I want you to get out of your mind the idea of of people that that were out there that would have been somehow physically weak. Being a shepherd was a taxing physical job right? You were out in the field sometimes for months at a time. You had to be able to live off the land. You had to be able to figure out how to get food and do those things. Have you ever, how many of you have ever been around sheep, like large groups of sheep, like not like ah sheep, but sheep, plural. You've been around them. Um, Like we don't have a lot of sheep here, you know, so if you were around a lot of sheep, you probably didn't grow up in Grand Rapids. Uh, I don't know of anyone that really has Sheep here—they're um, one of the dumbest animals in all of God's creation. Uh, like they are just ridiculously dumb. Um, I, I don't—I I don't know how they survived. Okay, uh, uh, like they require man to survive right now. How many of you have seen that video online, right? It always goes around pastor's circles where it's like this is pastors taking care of people and it's like this shepherd getting the sheep out of a ditch and it gets out, takes six steps in a circle and goes right back in the ditch, right? How many, like that's sheep. Like if you've ever been around them in mass, that's what they are. They cannot survive in their current form without human beings, right like but guess what they're big dumb and tasty (laughs) and so every predator out there wants to eat the big dumb tasty animal so to keep those sheep alive to guard their flock to keep watch over the flock at night you know what that means it means you as a person need to be able to take on bears and wolves That's what it means. Before the age of gunpowder, a staff, a sling, a bow. Most shepherds weren't rich, so they didn't really have swords, probably not too many spears. You needed to beat off bears and wolves with sticks and rocks. It's a job for the faint of heart. Linus would have fit in perfectly. I need you to hear it. These are big guys. Most shepherds were very, very accomplished outdoorsmen, very strong, very physically able, because if you weren't, you couldn't be a shepherd because the bear would eat you. It's just what happened. So I want you to hear it. I want you to get the right picture in your mind, okay? These these are big big guys. Verse 9 suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Now if you have the right view of shepherds you might get close to the right view of this angel i talk about this almost every year okay um i think probably the worst image that most of us have as christians in our mind of something that happens in the bible is our view of angels Right, And maybe it was Precious Moments' fault. Um, Maybe it was Bugs Bunny's fault. I don't know whose fault it was. But most of us think of floating babies wearing diapers, playing a harp with wings. Maybe riding a cloud, singing a song. That's our view of angels. Now, there's more than one kind of angel in Scripture. Okay, There absolutely is. If you look at it and read it, they're described in different ways. But most of us think of a floating diaper baby with a harp. It's just what happens. If you've been here before, you've heard me say it before. I know it's not new to you. But that's how most of us imagine babies. But I want you to imagine men who are trained to fight off wolves and bears, seeing something appear and being terrified. And then maybe you get a picture of what showed up in that field that night. Fighting a bear, Fighting a lion, fighting a wolf with a sling and a stick, no big deal. Angel comes, I'm hiding. I'm terrified. Might need to change my pants. That's what just happened. That's what just happened in this story. Verse 10, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. How many angels were there so far that they could see? One angel showed up in the midst of a group of burly outdoorsmen, and they were terrified. Then suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, and this is where I want you to hear it. When we talked, we talked about it last week. We've talked about it now and then. The armies of heaven, the angels are the warriors. And what are they doing at this point in time? They're gonna praise God with song. Okay, when you sing a praise song before God, stop thinking of it as a pretty little anecdote and a time you have to kill to get to the good stuff and start seeing it for what it is, battle. Sing a battle song to Jesus. This army of heaven shows up, not floating diaper babies. The armies of heaven show up and they say glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. How cool would that have been? After you changed your pants, how cool would that have been? Right? That would have been enough for some. That would have been enough. Enough this vast host of angels appears. The army of God, the angel army of heaven shows up and you get to hang out with them. Most of us would sit down and write down somewhere on a calendar, coolest day of my life, and move on. To be told about God, by the army of heaven and to see the vast host of God's army appear suddenly to a bunch of shepherds who are strong but for the most part don't really get to take part in most of the stuff in town because they're unclean by the ceremony laws of the Jews. What a cool day. And a lot of us, I think, myself included at different points in time in my life, would have been satisfied with that. But the shepherds weren't. And this is the lesson that I want you to hear today. Right? This is what I want you to get. Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Can I tell you, I don't think most of us would have thought badly about the shepherds if the angels had showed up and said, God has been born and they said that was the coolest thing that has ever happened to me and kept watching their sheep. But what I want you to really hear from this story is hearing about God wasn't enough for them. Seeing something amazing wasn't enough for them. They had to go find Jesus. They had to see it for themselves. Hearing about it and being a part of something cool wasn't enough. They had to find Jesus. And I want you to hear it today. If you're around church for long enough, you're gonna hear some cool stuff. People are gonna tell you about what God did in their lives and it's awesome. Some of your stories are amazing. All of your stories are amazing. They're just different. But I can tell you stories from this church about people who are in this room today who doctors said should be dead. But divine, miraculous healings happened. I can point you to people who told me in my office that their marriage had no hope. But Jesus entered the story, and restoration occurred and miraculous things happened. I can tell you stories after story after story of things that God has done in others' lives and my lives, and if you listen to them long enough, you will have to think at least one of them is pretty cool. But can I tell you that hearing a cool story about God is never going to carry you through your life? You need to go find him. You need to see him for yourself. You need to meet him, who he is. And I guarantee you, when you really see Jesus, when you really encounter that king, you will leave just like they did, glorifying God and not able to shut up about it because of what he just did in your life. It's incredible. It's an incredible thing. When Jesus really grabs a hold. But listen, nobody told the shepherds, you have to go. Did you get it? Nobody said, if you don't go, you're not going to be saved. Nobody said, if you don't go, you can't be part of the club. The shepherds heard about God and they had to go find him you're gonna to have to make a decision on your own. It is a very, very rare story where Jesus comes along and like shakes somebody into following him. Most times it's something like this where you will see something or hear something or be in a desperate need and something will spark inside of you and you will know I need Jesus. But at that point, you have to make a decision am I gonna go after him or not? And we're left with that. It's one of the stories of the Bible. I want you to just turn a few more chapters to Luke chapter eight. Just a few more chapters in Luke chapter eight. You're in Luke chapter two right now or you were in Luke chapter two right now. Luke chapter 8, I want to just talk about the story. And there's so much background and so much things happening in this point. Jesus is on his way to help somebody with another miracle. A kid is dying. Um, uh, and, And so Jesus is kind of on his way. There's huge crowds surrounding him at this point in time. It's hard to get right into who he is. And there's this lady, and we really know nothing about her except for she was bleeding for a long time right Luke chapter 8 verse 43 I want you to hear she had no business being in this crowd her infirmity made it so if she touched anybody they would become unclean and have to go through a big ceremony she should not have been in this crowd any jewish person that knew of her issue and saw her in this crowd would have been angry that she was a part of this crowd and probably driven her out of town she was desperate Luke chapter 8, verse 43, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. Peter was like, Jesus, come on. There are people touching you left and right because the crowd is surging all around you and you're going to sit there and ask us who touched you? 700 people have touched you in the last 20 minutes. I made up that number. It's not biblically accurate. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had immediately been healed. Daughter, he said to you, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I want you to hear, there's times in scripture where somebody couldn't get to Jesus on their own and they were brought, right? You think about the lame man whose friends cut a hole in a roof and dropped him down in front of Jesus there, there are other times where that happened. This, this other story that's happening right now, a, a kid is so sick, they can't make it to Jesus. So the dad goes on the behalf to bring Jesus to them. But most of the stories we see in Jesus where God divinely and supernaturally did something in somebody's life were people who would not stay away from Jesus. People who just went and found him, no matter what. This lady Had all the reasons in the world not to go find Jesus. She was unclean. She didn't belong. She'd tried everything. She was sick. She was weak. If you study this out, even if this was the smallest bleed that continued to happen, this woman's body was falling apart after 12 years of bleeding. There's a lot of nurses and doctors in this, well, nurses in this room. You know how sick she would have been. She had every reason in the world to just kind of hang back and not get to Jesus. And yet she was so hungry for God to do something in her life. Nothing could stand between her and Jesus. And I want you to hear me today. The story of the gospel is full of people who could have just seen something good enough and stopped but it's full of people who saw or heard something and decided I have to go find Jesus myself and their life was never the same I can't promise you a divine healing like this lady received but I can promise that Jesus Christ will meet you where you're at and you will be his and he will be yours and you will be in heaven someday I can promise you that. Divine healing could happen. I've seen it in the past. I absolutely believe I'll see it again. Amazing stories of God that cannot be explained any way other than who Jesus is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe he can and will will heal, heal at times. I just can't promise you that you'll be healed this side of heaven. You might be. I'll pray for you. There's only one way to find out. It's to chase Jesus. It's to go see him for yourself. I want to encourage you, if you're in this place, this is a season where we're surrounded by the truth of the gospel. You can try and call it whatever you want to call it. You can put up whatever decoration you want to put up. You can say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, but in America, we still know what you mean. Right? We're surrounded by the name of Christ in this season. We're surrounded by the imagery of who he was. We're surrounded by the miracle of of this day. We're surrounded by it. Stations are playing songs about it, right? And for every three about Santa Claus, there's 30 about Jesus. And it's acceptable this time of year to play those songs because it's Christmas time. But I want you to hear from me. I want you to hear from me this morning. Don't settle for hearing about God from someone else chase after him yourself see what he'll do give him a chance to be a miracle give him a chance to work a miracle in your life i like i said it might not be a divine healing miracle in your life but the story of a heart separated from jesus being divinely connected to him is a miracle every time every time We're not going to have a formal altar call here today. We're not going to do that today. But if you're out there and you don't know Jesus and you want to talk to somebody about him, I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Come and talk to me. Find John, wherever he is. Talk to the person that invited you today. Talk to them about Jesus. If you need a miracle in this place, I can't give it to you. But there is one who came to this earth 2,000 years ago. He was born in a manger. He led a life full of miracles. He went to a cross because you were separated from God and couldn't make it right yourself. But he didn't just go to that cross. He didn't just predict that he would die on a cross. He predicted that three days later he would rise again from the dead, and he did. And if he can do that, what's too big for you to trust him with? Chase Jesus. God, you're good. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your hope. I thank you, God, for stories just like this, where ordinary people got to experience the miraculous because they encountered a miraculous God. Help us not to lose sight of who you are in the busyness of this season. Help us not to get so lost in the stuff that we miss the purpose. God, for people here that don't know you, I pray that you help them to have the courage to find you this morning. For people in this place that are struggling and need a miracle, God, we ask for miracles, healing, hope, whatever it may be. You're amazing, Jesus. Help us to follow you more closely. It is in your name I pray. Amen. 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 Okay, I, I need, before you start running, I need you to listen to me for a second. It's 11.53. That means you're not allowed to go pick up your children from kids' church for seven more minutes. The nursery doesn't care. Go get them. <laughs> but kids' church is still going don't, don't get your kids out of kids' church until they're done, all right? Hopefully I see you next week. If not, have a Merry Christmas.